because mum said a lot of it she stayed for us so we were a family and we had our dad but when she left him things were better um and so I sort of think we stay for our children but our children know when we're not fully happy they know when we're not living our authentic lives they're very intuitive I think children um more than we give ourselves credit for Michelle Edwards. I am the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer. Words. Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? Emma Stowell, hi. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Chronicle of Endings. Um, thanks for being here. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's it's um I'm so very happy to have you here. So the ending the we're going to chat about today, the ending of pretending. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is a really interesting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, perspective and so you know pretending to be something you're not pretending mm. to be perfect and not speaking out and I think they're really common themes that can mm. be really relatable for a lot of people yeah definitely once I started to talk about it myself I noticed how many women it's actually affecting really yeah yeah so to introduce you before we get into all of that you are you're an author you're a mother a wife Mm -hmm. a New Zealander (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah (laughs) and so um the book that you wrote it was called, it, it's called Beautifully Broken. Um, now, this book was your response to suffering from PTSD, mental health issues, and trauma. Mm. Um, I, I'd love for you to tell us more about your backstory. So, um, 
probably goes way back to childhood, as most trauma does, um, <laughs> uh, growing up with abuse and neglect and um, then other traumatic experiences happening to me when I was a teenager in my young 20s, um, an abusive relationship that I fell into. Um, it was only a year, but the damage that it did was significant. Um, then I got clean, so I was an alcoholic during that time as well to, to cope with everything that I'd gone through. I didn't know what PTSD was in my early 20s, so I didn't know, and I was drinking. Then I got clean, went to college, um, met my husband. Well, he's my husband now. <laughs> um and then had our three children. And once I had the children, my PTSD came flooding back because seeing the children, I thought, how could someone hurt such a little innocent soul? So I was reliving trauma I'd seen and experienced as a young child looking at my children. That's when I realized it was PTSD. But instead of speaking out and trying to heal from it, I just got depression, um, Anxiety went inwards, um, you know, pushed everyone else away. Uh, didn't go back to alcoholism. I was, you know, swinging. I had days where I'd drink, but it was more about isolating. Um, and then one day I just thought, actually, no, enough is enough. I'm going to end up um, where I was in the first place when I had to get clean the first time and decided to write my book and put myself out there and talk about my mental health. Uh, the depression and the anxiety and not to ever shy away from when it's when it's coming up instead of isolating and it's been really really good not just for me but you know a lot of followers and people messaging me saying that they're really glad I put it out there and they're glad that I've put it in a book as well because the character has PTSD which is not common. That's a really um, huge 180 to go from not talking to anybody and withdrawing <laughs> to actually writing everything yeah. down in a book. Was was mm. initially when you decided to do this, you've you've obviously written this in a novel, in a fictional format. Mm. Was that a sort of a safe place for you to? Um, well, it started off not fictional. I started off journaling. Um, and then just posting my journals as a post. Um, and I write poetry as well. So I started a poetry uh, author type page for that. And it grew quite quickly within like a couple of weeks. And I was really surprised. And people were messaging me saying, this really should be a book. We're really enjoying your journals. Um, and I thought, oh, actually, I could do it as a book and I thought the fictional way was the easiest way to go back in time and show how I've grown so the character in beautifully breaking has PTSD and depression then in book two that's when she becomes an alcoholic and she sort of pushes everyone away and then in book three is where beautifully becoming is where she heals so it was the easiest way for me to go back and show the process of what it's like to heal from it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so when you started writing, how therapeutic did that become for you? Oh, it was so good because I have um, part of my depression is because I have fibromyalgia, um, which is uh, chronic pain and chronic fatigue syndrome. 
and I was a preschool teacher and the fact that I couldn't teach anymore, I couldn't physically hold down a teaching position was mentally very hard for me um, and contributed to the depression because I am the type of person who likes doing um, like you see on the depression ads, the um, active relaxer. So I'm an active relaxer in a body that can't move. Um, <laughs> so to actually actively write and keep my mind busy um, was really, really through, therapeutic for me. Okay. Coming back to the themes that we spoke about at the beginning um, around ending. Tell us how some of those start to tie in with your story. So um, one of the reasons I wanted to do it as a fiction story was that I can write a lot of other characters into the book as well. So um, not just about my ending of pretending and pretending that everything's fine when it's not. Um, I could also write about what other people experience too. So her best friend is an influencer and I've just seen friends that have been influencers and they get judged, especially by how they look um, on social media and stuff like that. So um, she seems really toxic and people have wanted me to write her out of the trilogy, <laughs> but I sort of want to get to number three and show actually even toxic people can change. Yes, it's important to look after yourself and if people are toxic to you remove yourself if you need to but sometimes you know anyone can change and it's really important to give people a second chance because I think if people met me when I was really low and had depression and judged me for the rest of my life I wouldn't like that (laughs) so um we all get to a point where we grow and I reckon there's a point in a lot of people's life where the growth is faster than other times so so as a writer, it's probably fun and interesting for you to play with different characters because, you know, mm-hmm. we're not always perfect and the people in our yeah. lives aren't always perfect and we Big can't always just um, remove them from our lives and, yeah. and, and be done with it. Sometimes we have to learn to navigate toxic people and sometimes yeah. we have to understand, you know, sometimes the reason behind the way that person behaves is because they're dealing with their own issues and exactly uh, we might judge yeah. them by what they're doing to us, but we don't always consider what's going on for them under the surface. Yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. And the mother and the um, main character have a very turbulent relationship and often you have to keep people like that in your life. Yeah. Um, so she has to learn how to deal with a mother that's almost more of a teenager than her. <laughs> but these are the things that help us to grow in life as human beings, as human exactly, beings, yeah. is to deal with challenging situations, challenging people, um, yeah. try and, um, and respond in ways that are better. Exactly, yeah. And I got told, um, because I wrote it as a romance, and before it was released, um, I got told, because she has an affair in the book, that um, not, well, not necessarily an affair, but she falls in love with someone else. Um, And she's got to negotiate 
what happens when that happens to someone but it's it's so I could write more of her growth in but also to show men like the two male characters that one she's with and one she falls in love with their growth as well because I thought it's important to show men have just as a hard time as women so you know when they're growing and learning and um I got told not to put that in there but I'm glad that I kept it in because that's part of life and things like that happen to people and they have to negotiate situations like that that are really difficult yeah yeah now have you having shared this story what kind of response have you been getting from people who have had the same situations in their life who have had PTSD or trauma or an abusive relationship things like that yeah, really good. Once the book was out there, um, I think people didn't know how to take it when I was getting the feedback, the, you know, the beta reading and the feedback and that kind of thing um, because it's such a big mission to meld all of that together. Um, and she, there's poetry in the book because she's a struggling writer. So there was a lot of themes squashed into one one book, if you like. But once it's out, the readers have been really good. I get so many messages saying, when's book number two going to come out? Um, because people know that it's my based on my memories. So all of her memories are my memories. And people get upset about different things. Um so there was one thing where my mum chopped all my hair off when I was a little kid because I had knits and she couldn't be bothered dealing with them. And I had to start school with short hair. And the boys were saying, go away, you're a girl. And the girls were saying, go away, you're a boy. And I just cried my first week of school. And someone messaged me and said, I'm crying about that. <laughs> and to me, there was a lot worse things that had happened to me in my life and a lot worse memories in the book. But um that made them really upset. So it's quite interesting what different things. Um, but I think it's good. And the second one is hard because it's writing about alcoholism and she gets more depressed. And then the next one's beautifully becoming. So I'm very aware that I have to get number three quite close after number one because it, it can um, bring back memories if you've gone through that kind of thing but I haven't had any negative like people saying I'm stressed they've just reached out to me and we've had a chat and that's been really good when you started writing did you know that you were going to be addressing all of these <laughs> things um not really no and um found it a little bit hard at first because some people brought beautifully broken thinking it was um, more of an autobiography and then they messaged me and said oh now we want an autobiography can you write one <laughs> and I wasn't prepared to I was like who am I well that's how I started thinking to start with you know you think who am I to write an autobiography who would want to know about my life um it's just me and you tell yourselves all these negative things even though I knew in the end I wanted to get to beautifully becoming where she stands up and stops pretending but you still have I call, you know uh you've probably heard of imposter syndrome so that comes about and you start telling yourself things you don't want to tell yourself um and then I've, I've just told people that I will write 
the autobiography once I've finished the trilogy. (laughs) I already have a name for it. I'm going to call it um, Big Dreams in a Small Town. Yeah, that would be fun. (laughs) People are so interested in the backstories. People want to know the human behind Mm. everything. Um, And that's why I like to, to share these stories because yeah as much as we think oh we're just another person we are all so interesting and we've all yeah, had exactly really um unique sequence of experiences in life and they're not always good and that um I think you know we can really unite and relate to each other yeah. when we're struggling with the same things um, yeah exactly yeah, so I imagine that's why n- not only does your book resonate so much with mm. people, but they're so interested in the you behind the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was your um, what was your experience with imposter syndrome when you um, weren't necessarily <laughs> in a good space and you? Um. Well, it was just really strange because I'd never heard of it. And I got my friend to read a draft and I'd gone, oh, tell me if it's good. And then anyway, she gave it back to me and she goes, it's really good. And I think you've got imposter syndrome. And I know what it was. And I was like, okay. And I drove home and I was thinking, oh, she's saying it's really bad. Because to me, an imposter (laughs) is someone who thinks they're good and they're pretending to be good and they're actually bad. And I'm thinking, oh, I must be bad. Then I got home and I Googled and it's the opposite. (laughs) And I was like, oh, and then I messaged her and I told her what I'd been thinking on the way home. And she was laughing. And she was like, oh, my God. She's like, why didn't you ask me? And I was like, I don't know. It's just, but we had both our kids were there. And I was doing a, um, I'd picked her kid up from kindy. And it was like tea time and hectic, so that's why I hadn't. But um, she was laughing, and I was like, "Oh yes, okay, um, probably do," because I did about twenty drafts. <laughs> I did way more than what you really need to, but I was just um, yeah, really over analyzing almost every sentence in the book, and you really don't need to. I think um, <laughs> so. As a poet myself, who's written a novel. I think as a poet, you come to writing literature as a poet and every syllable, every every bloody syllable is so important. (laughs) Um, So I I would tend to approach things the same thing. Every sentence matters. Every sentence has to, you know, the structure of every sentence is is really important. Um, Yeah. So that's the thing, um, you know. Yeah, definitely um, you're right because poetry was what I started writing first and it's got to flow. Yeah. So then you've got to um, make your book flow. Yeah, it's logical <laughs> for us, right? Yeah, and I found out mid midway as well that I have dyslexia. Oh. So it was never, ever picked up because I did really well at school Um for writing I got in 90 something percent and I can read really well but it was probably because I was mostly writing poems (laughs) and poems must flow really easy for me but once I had to write sentences I put the words the wrong way around and I couldn't spell and the grammar and I had a friend who's a psychologist and her husband has um, dyslexia 
And she said, she read one of my first drafts and said, oh, I wonder if you've got it. So then I had to train my brain to learn grammar. And it was harder than the average person because it took a lot of going over because my mind would just forget, even though I told it the rule, yeah. would forget the rule. Um, and it took a long time. Um, but now writing number two, I putting all that I've learned, but I still read some sentences and I've put a word, say at the start of the sentence that most people would say at the end. Yeah. Um, a good thing for that is to listen to it. Someone said you listen to it speaking back to you. Um, and that was really helpful. How interesting. What an interesting challenge to find yourself yeah. um, having to overcome as, a, as an author. Yeah, and especially because I'd done so well at school and I'd been to college and it had never picked up and I thought surely, and I read, uh, I was reading adult books by nine, so I thought surely someone with dyslexia wouldn't be like that, but um, there's all different levels of dyslexia and different types of dyslexia, um, which I found out. Yeah. Mm. Now, I want to ask you more about some of the turning points for you in regards to your you know turning your own life around and your own Hmm. healing um and going from a broken place to a better place yeah um so the first time I'd just gone from traumatic experience to traumatic experience um when I was telling someone about it they said it's like you know how they say out of the frying pan into the fire and that was my life over and over and over um and it just kept happening until I ended up I was in an abusive relationship um and an alcoholic and isolated and I got pregnant to this guy and he said to me if I kept the baby he would kill it in front of me um and he also beat me up until I was bleeding so I ended up having to um, I bought the baby anyway because I ended up in hospital and stuff and I came home and I was lying on the floor and I was bleeding out and I was wanting a drink and I'd drunk for maybe three years at that stage um, and I just decided that was enough I was just like right I've never reached out in my whole entire life to anyone um, but it's either jump off a bridge now or deal with it and because and, it just can't keep going on. I'd been suicidal on and off as well. Um, so I just decided that was enough. And I, the next day, went to a flat across town and they were looking for someone to move in straight away. So I moved in, <laughs> um, got clean, uh, met my, like I said, I think it was three weeks later, I met my now husband as well. Um, he doesn't know what I was going through at the time because I didn't tell him at first. I told him years later um, and just and then applied for college because it was near college. So I was like, right, I'd always said I wanted to be a teacher. Um, so I just applied. It must have been around about the same time that they were accepting applications as well. Um, and I still remember some of the getting clean, like the shakes and the nausea and the horrible and the headaches and all of that. And that's what I'm writing at the moment, trying to go back to that um, headspace is quite hard, but important, I think, um, to write about because there's not many books that actually um, detail all of that for the main character. 
sometimes a side character might have it, but then it always seems to be from a judgmental point of view. <laughs> and um, the main character is judging them for being an alcoholic. My main character is an alcoholic. Um, but it's important to show the learning that comes from that and how you can get the mindset to get the courage to leave. And it was pretty much similar with the second time. I just had a day where I drank a whole bottle of Jim Beam over the day and then looked at the bottle and went, no, (laughs) this is not happening again. I didn't come through all of that to get clean, to go back to that. So I mentally made the mind switch. And then within that, there's learning every day. It's You make the decision, but it's not like it's, set in stone and you're not going to have bad days it just means that the good days slowly get better and better yeah but making that decision in the first place is a really powerful turning point yes exactly you have to yeah make that decision I think you have to just go right I know I'm going to have bad days with this but I also know that eventually I'm going to have good days with it yeah it seems like in that first scenario that you mentioned you you literally just had to make the decision and then the universe was like okay here's your apartment here's your education here's your husband yeah exactly it was three weeks um which is crazy three weeks of a three-year situation to being on the other side of town with a new boyfriend clean and a college acceptance um (laughs) it was just crazy (laughs) was it do you think it was a challenge for you to come from an abusive past and abusive relationship to a normal loving healthy relationship um at times um I was probably the moody one at first um having seen um anger issues I probably showed too many anger issues my own self at first which I didn't see um, and my husband's a really placid guy. <laughs> he wouldn't even hurt a fly. Um, in the first few months were probably the hardest, I think, because um, one time he went to tickle me and I punched him <laughs> because I reaction, like it was just a reaction because normally when I'd been touched, something bad was going to happen or something. Um, and... Then also we watched the movie Once for Warriors and it's so real. And the movie, it's really realistic to how life can be when you grow up and that kind of thing. And the girl commits suicide and my brother had committed suicide when I was 12 and we'd only been dating three weeks and I couldn't stop crying. Mm. (laughs) He's going what is wrong with you? And I didn't want to, I wasn't ready to tell him yet about my past and I wanted to all be lovely and um, first things are love and lovely dovely. And here I am bawling my eyes out about this movie that must have set off PTSD, even though I wasn't aware what it was back then. Um, So there were things like that that came up. Um, Probably the hardest was when we had two kids and for him it was the best time And he was really happy to have our two children. And here I am suffering severe PTSD because I'm imagining them getting hurt. Um, And when I think back, I think, oh, I really wish I could have enjoyed that time spending so much time in PTSD. 
but you can't think like that if you think oh I could go back you can think you can go on and on and on what could you go back to you've got to look forward and at least I'm moving in the right direction now yeah (laughs) um now there's something that I want to ask you more about which is um how easy it is for a young person in their early 20s um to end up in an abusive relationship and um, if they don't have a lot of nest, a lot of relationship experience, how easy it is for them to stay, even though it's not good. Yeah, um, I was lucky in one sense that um, I sort of fell into the relationship with him because I was dating someone else, and he went to Auckland, and while he was away, two of his friends broke in and tried to rape me. And I managed to fight them off and they left me half pie for dead on the ground and said, we'll come back tomorrow. And I don't think they thought that I was conscious because I was trying to sort of pretend I was unconscious (laughs) by that stage. And I don't think they thought I heard them. So I got the one that ended up being abusive. I got him to come over and stay the night to keep me safe if they came back. And they did. But they left and rang my boyfriend at the time and told him I was having an affair. And I really wasn't at that stage. And he came back and just kicked me out, put all my stuff out in the rain. Um, And then this guy promised he would protect me. He was like, you know, I really actually like you. That's why I stayed the night, because I care about you. And I really thought I was in love and he was so lovely. And he moved my stuff into his flat. And then slowly the behaviours They know what they're doing. That's the problem. It's a very slow manipulation where they isolate you. And I saw the isolating behaviours. When I was a kid, we weren't allowed to go to parties. My mum was very isolated. I saw that behaviour, but it happens so slowly. And then the first hit, you think, oh, well, um, I probably deserved that or he won't do it again, that kind of thing. Um, But to end it, I was very lucky that before I met him and I was living it, I was kicked out of home at 16. So for a few years I was living in this horrible flat, but I'd always told myself I will not end up in an abusive relationship. I will not ever have children and put them through what I've been through. Um, And I knew I wanted kids one day, so I knew that I would never have children and put them through that. And then when I found myself lying on the floor having lost that baby I was like hang on wasn't my vision always to have children and here I am having just lost one because I'm following the same path and so that was easy because I remembered that vow and I just kept thinking right no but if you if you had sometimes they say you fall into the same patterns but sometimes if I hadn't have had that abusive past maybe it would have taken me longer I would have maybe talked myself more into staying and staying it out. But from seeing it happen for so many years and knowing that they don't change, I was, I knew that they don't, men like that often don't change. Yeah, that's interesting. You do think that people tend to go from maybe an abusive childhood to an abusive relationship in their adult life. And and it's Mm. interesting to hear you say the contrast of, you know, I knew that this was going to be bad forever because of my past. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to end up um, 
you know, I was two teens and because that's when mum left dad finally um, was when I was a teenager and, and that was really hard. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to end up down that path and wishing I'd left earlier when I can leave now and there's no children involved now. Yeah. Um, but I do wish that people that stay for their children, because um, mum said a lot of it, she stayed for us. So we were a family and we had our dad. But when she left him, things were better. Um, and so I sort of think we stay for our children, but our children know when we're not fully happy. They know when we're not living our authentic lives. They're very intuitive, I think, children, um, more than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and I, I do want to say I have a good relationship with my dad now. Um, I've forgiven him, and he's read my book. <laughs> Both my parents have read it, so they know. What, what did your parents have to say about, about your book? Um, they both just really said that um, my talent shone through more than um, like what they were worried about. It wasn't just uh, like bashing them. It was actually this is what happens um, and this is how the character's affected and it's not like she's having traumatic flashbacks the whole book. It's a storyline. Um, and they could see the storyline and my writing and they just said go for it pretty much. I I, um, I wonder if it was enlightening for them at all to sort of get a better <laughs> understanding <Sorry>. of your <laughs> perspective, um, mm. having grown up how you did. I think so because my dad messaged me after reading it and said uh, he wishes he could say sorry. Um, and he's never said sorry, but he said he wishes he could say sorry. So for me, that's enough because I'd already decided a long time ago that um, I doc I watched Dr. Phil and he said uh, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. And I realised, oh, I'm not forgiving them and I'm angry at both of them and I'm sicker. So I'm just going to forgive them. And that was so much easier than holding on to anger um, and then when he said that it was actually a really good feeling because I was like oh actually um, he's not said sorry but he's in a roundabout way said sorry so that was quite good yeah so the major themes of this book would you say it would be you know to to show people especially women that you can mm. have all of these um, mishaps you can feel all of these things and you can still come through it you can still be beautiful you can still flourish you can still have a great life yes exactly yeah and I wanted to write about as well like um, sexuality as well um, which my parents found the hardest part obviously to to read um, but she's not sure if she's bisexual and there's a couple of like experiences to do with that and then in the third one she's like actually I just am who I am I don't want to be labeled for anything and I see that so much these days um like um I can't remember the name of David Rose said in one of the um online I like the label, not the wine. 
like they were talking about bisexuality. And I thought, actually, that's really important these days because people are actually, um, things are getting more open, but there are still some people that judge it. And I'm Christian and people seem to think because I'm Christian that I judge it and I, <laughs> I really don't judge it at all. So I wanted to write that this character, um, you know, she's struggling with her own label and by the end she realises, oh, I shouldn't be labelled as Christian or bisexual or a PTSD-ridden woman. I should just be Sarah and I'm just me and myself and none of the labels really should matter and they shouldn't really matter to anyone. And that's really resonating with people as well because um, a lot of people have said that they're going through, you know, things that they've been judged for. Yeah. I think that's a really important note to to say that we, you know, in this in this day and age, we love a good label. Mm, yeah. <laughs> despite all of the labels, you know, they are just all facets of the human experience. So we're just we're just a person doing yeah. things or not. <laughs> you know, we're just exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um I'm definitely gonna link where people can read this book I um I'm really interested to read it myself actually uh I also want to ask you yeah. this the question that you think you'll be getting is yeah. when are you putting out book number two uh so my aim was to be November um because I thought if I released a book a year that's a good benchmark for me to strive towards and um I'm not pushing myself I'm able to give the story breathing room um obviously I read a lot of books on writing and Stephen King was one of the ones I read and he said great thing you can do is to write it and then put it down for a few months and then come back um and I did that quite a few times with book one so I want to be able to give myself the room to do that um so at the moment I'm aiming for mid-November (laughs) <laughs> but I sort of um I'm waiting to set a full date when my son goes back uh goes back to school when he starts school um in a month's time because then I will know what it's like to have him at school um and how my days will plan out was at the moment he's home a couple of times a week and yeah. doing things with him <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so what are your um nuggets of wisdom that you want to share with people who read this book or just the people who are listening to this episode um just to remember that um growth is always up to ourselves um a lot of the times when I get depression and pull back people pull away um and that's just the nature of having a mental illness or um, PTSD or anything like that so a lot of the time the healing can come literally down to yourself Um, and it doesn't always stay the same we can have good days or bad days but as long as you know that better days are coming um, you can just keep focusing one day at a time and then eventually better days come along more and more frequently Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Emma. Uh, I, yeah, I will um, I'll link everything in the show notes. And 
I look forward to reading your book myself. And thank you so much for sharing your story. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm very intrigued with your book with the endings. I think that's a really novel idea. And I like books with lots of different perspectives. Um, My book couldn't have that because it had to be all the main character to really get in depth to her journey. But when I read books, I tend to really like books with lots of different perspectives in them. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I read different than I write, which is interesting. Yeah. I guess um, when you start writing, to to write what you've known and have experienced is is um, a really good starting place. Yeah, it's different than what I'd read. What and um, I often read murder books or like mystery <laughs> type things, and I'm like, oh, I wouldn't want to live through that. So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right, thank you. Bye, Emma. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m 